today on It's Time. Those things that bring joy in your life that don't lead to destruction, that's the blessings of God. I hear the calling, it's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going verse by verse through the book of 1 Timothy. So, turn there in your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. If you have your Bible this morning, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of 1 Timothy, verse 1 of chapter 5. We go into some new ground here. Do not rebuke an older man. This word rebuke in the Greek means to strike out at an older person. Now, Paul is an elderly man writing to a younger guy named Timothy. In fact, we read last week, don't let anybody despise your youth. Why is that? Well, because there's a zeal inside of a person. And I love that about young Christians. Young Christians, you get around young Christians that are fired up in their faith. They've come out of a lot of drugs, a lot of back junk stuff that's destroyed their life. And they're fired up because God's doing something new in their life. They found the real thing. But the Bible says, uh, Paul says, don't rebuke or strike out an older man. Why is that? Well, if you're an older guy here, I can about guarantee you, you probably won't receive it anyway. Right? I don't want to listen to you, little whippersnapper punk. That's a lot of times what it is. But also, it's disrespectful. And this is what I think Paul is aiming at here. He says, don't uh, rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father and younger as brothers. Now, there's a way... You can say whatever you want to say to somebody if you learn how to say it. Uh, Sometimes you have to think through how what I'm saying, if I was on the receiving end, how I would interpret what is being said. Um, Now, sometimes things are difficult to say. Uh, You see somebody erring in a certain way. And I think a lot of times it's the way we say it. This is one of the things that the Apostle Paul did when he would write to churches. Jesus himself did this in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. He would note the things that they were doing good. He would praise those things. And then he would say, but I got some areas here you need to improve on. The reason why we need to do that is because if we just go up to somebody or your children or an employee at your, at your job, if you're a boss, and just go whammo and hit them with something they're doing wrong, they're going to be offended by that. But it's when we notice the good things we do. Honey, you did this good. You, you got both your shoes on the right feet. I'm so happy. And we do that. But honey, you need to do this. You, you need to comb your hair. You see, if all we ever say to our children, if all we ever say to our employees, if all we ever say to our spouse is, what's the reaction going to be? You know, I have found something in my life. Criticism 
motivates me. Does it motivate you? It motivates me to get away from that person and never be around him again. That's what I found about criticism. But when somebody takes actual care and says, hey, I see you're doing a lot of these things. You're doing it good. I really appreciate that. And here is what personally I think would be some really good areas of improvement. And if I was in your position, this is what I would do. I'll listen to that. Why? Because I've noticed that they noticed that I did something good before the criticism. It's really important. Husbands, wives believe it's one of the greatest things you can do. If you see your spouse going a little sideways, note the good things that they do. Not just, that acid never works, does it? So it says, exhort him as a father. I I really believe that. I, I think there's a way you can notice what somebody does and then bring in the the uh, corrective thoughts, whatever it might be. And a younger men as brothers. This is really what, what Paul is saying is, this is how the church should work. This is, you know, we, we read back a couple of chapters, the qualifications for elders and deacons and alike. Here's the qualifications for a church. Isn't that weird? How we're supposed to treat one another as brothers in the Lord? Older women as mothers? Younger women as sisters with all purity. Verse 3, honor widows who are really widows. Now that's kind of a weird statement, isn't it? Honor widows who are really widows. Just because a woman's husband has died doesn't necessarily make them a widow in the case of church support. This is where Paul is going to address this. Now you have to remember something. They didn't have modern medicine back then. A lot of people died. A lot of wars took a lot of people's husbands away. And so because of that, Paul writes here some outlines to help the church function without people being a burden to the church. Now, there's nothing wrong sometimes with needing assistance from the church. But there's ways that it's done. Now, again, we've talked about this before, but everything you need to know about life and godliness is in the Bible. How how to run your finances, how to to have a good relationship, all these things are in the Bible. Now, you need to have people that will listen to that. See, see, you, you can be really willing to do that. The other person or the other person in your business may not want to do that, and there'll be a parting of ways. So this tells us, how we are to do these things. Honor widows who are really widows. And what are those? But if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show piety at home and to repay their parents, for this is good and acceptable before God. So a real widow then does not have any other support. So in other words, if a a, a woman's husband dies, and there's no children, there's nobody that's going to help her. And in those days, there was no welfare system. There was no social security or anything like that. So then the person could become destitute. And that would be a bad thing. But he's saying if the woman has children, their first responsibility is to take care of their parents. I think this is really important. Because again, charity begins at home. 
we want to be sure that we take care of those things that are in front of us. And he also goes on and he says here, Now she who is really a widow and left alone trusts in God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. You know, it's really amazing to me, and this always is amazed, whether it's a, uh, a person who dies and leaves the inheritance to their wife or leaves the inheritance to their kids, what people do with what somebody else's lifelong accumulation. I'm always amazed by that. I, I, I've seen um, kids that have received a large inheritance from their parents And it's weird, within three months, they can completely blow everything that took their parents a lifetime to accumulate. It's really amazing. Easy come, the kid says, easy go. And so I really believe that there are some things that we can do to avoid that. Because a lot of times you'll find that if you leave your inheritance to your children and your children aren't walking with God, you can destroy your kids. This is what the whole story of uh, the uh, man who had two sons. And the younger son came to his dad and said, Hey, Pops, I want my half the farm. I want to go be funky and free. I'm going to be free and funky, you know. So he was on his way. So his dad says, Okay, son, writes him a check. Here you go. And Junior blows out the door and goes. And the Bible says he wasted his father's resources on riotous living. Party on, dude. That's what he did. He he was out partying down. And then a bad thing happens. He runs out of money. Oh, what shall I do? Well, he doesn't know what to do. And he gets worse and worse until finally. And you got to remember, Jesus is addressing this story, first of all, to the Jewish culture about Jewish people. And this kid who is Jewish ends up eating with the pigs. You are on the bottom. Because they were an unclean animal. So it wasn't that he was eating with the cows. He was eating with the pigs. He was really all the way as far down as you could go. Came to his senses. He said, you know, my dad's servants are treated better than I am. Maybe I could go home and just be a slave to my dad. At least I'd have a job and I wouldn't eat with these pig pods. Well, whatever pigs eat says they were pods. I don't know all that that is, but pig pods. And they were eating pig pods. You know, you know, it's funny. You never see that advertised on television. Hey, have your kids like the new little pig pods. No, no. They were just eating this stuff. He gets up and he goes home. The Bible says his father saw him a long way off. Tells me a couple things. First of all, his father was looking for him. I can see dad getting up every morning, looking out across the field, looking down the road, wondering, today, I wonder what happened to my boy. They didn't have cell phones in those days. Didn't have really mail in those days. He he just, I I wonder if today my son will come home. I I wonder if he's alive. And there off in the distance, he sees an image that kind of looks like his boy. Probably a a, a fair bit tattered. Maybe his hair looked like... uh, Bob Marley? I I don't know. He probably hadn't washed his hair in 10 years. I don't know how long it had been. Looked pretty bad. 
And the Bible says his father came and ran to him and put a robe on him, which would indicate he, A, didn't have much in the way of clothes on other than his fruit of the looms, or what he had on was rags. And his father ran and hugged him by the neck and put a robe on him and put a ring back on his finger, which gave him authority. See, the, any ring that he would have had, he probably would have hawked to, to, uh, for party time, put shoes on his feet and took him home and threw a party for him. Remember, the older son came in. He said, what's all this music and dancing I hear? Oh, well, your, your brother who, who was gone has come home. That worthless bum. I'm not going to come into the party. And his father said something interesting to him. He said, all that is here on the farm is yours. But you need to rejoice that your brother who was lost is now found. Now, what's interesting, the father said, the farm to the older son is all yours. The young son blew his opportunity. Now, here's what's important. I think it's a good idea, again, I've shared this many times, for you that have some resource, give your kids a little bit, see what they do with it. If they party it away, if they blow it, you know if you die, you're not there anymore, they will probably destroy themselves. I don't know what it's like to have a $30,000 a month cocaine habit, but I'll tell you, if you have enough money and you leave your kids enough money, they'll find out. Use wisdom in those things. This is what the problem here with the widow is. Saying that a a, a real widow, if she's really a widow, will, will dedicate herself to things concerning God. But an ungodly kind of woman will just sit there and live in luxury, burning it all up. And then turning to the church and says, give me more. So what does he say? Says she's dead already. Verse 7. And in these things command that they may be blameless. But if anyone does not provide for his own, especially those of the household of faith, literally, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Here you're found that the Bible says that a guy is supposed to take care. We're supposed to take care of our homes. We're supposed to take care of our families. So I believe that's really important. It says, and if you don't, you're worse than an unbeliever. Do not let a widow under 60 years old be taken into the number and not lest she has been the wife of one man. Uh, what, what it's talking about here is that she wasn't a floozy. Uh, and as factors we'll read on here, that she actually has some kind of a, a repertoire with the church that she's been a good woman. It says if she's under 60, and, and I imagine if she was 59 and a half, that would still qualify. Okay, okay. But what it's talking about here is that if she's under 60, well, she can still go out and get a job and do these different things. That's all. That's okay. It's talking about the welfare system of the early church. And I think that's important. It says that she would be the well reported for good works. If she's been brought, if she's brought up children, if she has lodged strangers, if she's washed the saints' feet, in other words, she's been a servant to, to other people. Uh, if she's um, relieved the afflicted, if she's diligently followed every good work, 
that's what you want to support. Those that have demonstrated their heart, their love towards God, take care of them. That's what Paul was saying. That's love. Now, people that want to just live off the church. I, 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 I've gotten so many calls over the years. And, and some of them are, are from almost believable to literally the twilight zone. I had a guy call me from one of the motels here. And the conversation went something like this. Uh, hi, this is uh, uh, Pete Johnson from the uh, uh, motel in here. And I got somebody that needs to talk to you. And I said, okay. And the phone changes. Hi, is this Brother Mac? And I said, yeah. Well, I'm down here at the uh, 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 Amera Hotel. And, and I just told this guy behind the counter here that you'd be good for my night here for me and my wife and my, my, uh, uh, my veteran son and my blind dog that's out in the car. And I said, why do you need me to do that? Well, you see, my wife's mother died in Kansas, and we're on our way to see her. And so I talked to him for a little bit more, and then I said, where are you from? Well, we're from Los Angeles. And I said, well, if you draw a straight line from Los Angeles to Kansas, do you realize you're in Idaho, that you're about 400 miles out of your way, one way? And so the guy goes, well, I'll wait. And they start stuttering on their words. And I said, you know, there's people like you that just go around and try to live off the church. And you just try to use the resources of the church while you won't do nothing. Well, the brother Mike went away and it broke into a level of profanity from him towards me. And I said, you know what? You need to get saved, buddy. (laughs) There's something wrong. The point is, And then they just go to the next church on the piece of paper. In fact, the Salvation Army uh, years ago put out a piece of paper. And it said, and and I'd used it many times, if somebody comes to you for help, ask these questions. Uh, If they say their car broke down, say, well, where did it break down at? Well, broke down over in Oregon. Really? Uh, Do you have the receipts from your car breaking down that used your money? So that's why you need me to buy you a motel room and gas. Well, um, the wind, uh, uh, honest to God, this is what one of the wind blew the receipt away. I said, oh, well, not a problem. Who fixed your car? I'll call them right now. I just want to verify your story. Because, you know, I said there are people that actually travel around America living off the church. So I just want to be sure that uh, uh, what you're telling me is true. And with that remark, I got cussed out. He, why? Because you stepped on their toes. The, the jig was up. They, you, you found out that they were a fraud. This is the problem. I, I believe that we need to take care of each other. But we also know that there are the charlatans out there, those that are taking advantage of brothers and sisters in the Lord. And and I think probably everybody in this room at one time or another may have been approached by such a thing. So he tells us we need to stand fast in when we must say to somebody, no, I'm not going to help you. Verse 11, but refuse... Younger widows 
when they have begun to grow wanton against Christ, they desire to marry. Now, this is a weird verse here. And so let's break it down. Okay, here's what it says. But refuse younger widows when they have begun to grow wanton. You say, what's that mean? I I went to a Chinese restaurant, got wonton one time. It was pretty good. No, it's not what that means here. When they begin to grow wanton, that means literally they removed the rain in their life. You know, in a horse, you, you put a rain in their mouth and you pull on it to make them go whichever direction you want them to go. The word here is a derivative of that, meaning that the woman has taken the rain off of her life. And notice it tells us a little bit more here taken the rain off of her life against Christ, they desire to marry. Now, is there anything wrong with getting married? If you're a widow, your husband has died or whatever the case might be. No, because as we look down, he tells us that in verse 14, let's just look at it real quick. Therefore, I desire that the younger women, younger widows marry and bear children. So there's nothing wrong with getting married. But what the problem was when their husband had died, the restraint was off and they go dating worldly people. They have forsaken the, the, the guidelines of Christ in their life. Now, again, always remember, when God says something is sin, he's not the cosmic killjoy. Ha ha, that is my child. Ha ha, I don't want them to have any fun. Ha ha, is that the way God is? I'm going to make your life miserable. Ha ha ha, no. That's what a lot of people think. A lot of people think when you become born again, you take 10 of the things you like to do the best and 10 of the things you have to do the worst. And when you become born again, you switch them. That's not what Christianity is. What Christianity is, is our eyes being open to the reality of life and that what we oftentimes call fun and the Bible declares is sin, we see why it is sin. Look at the devil's handiwork in people that don't know Christ. The alcoholics, the drug addicts, the broken homes, the kids with no parents. You can see the devil's handiwork everywhere. It's pretty obvious. If following after those desires led to a good lifestyle, I would say, well, then it's not sin. And that's exactly what the Bible says. Those things that bring joy in your life that don't lead to destruction... That's the blessings of God. But the problem is the devil knows how to candy dip a hook and everybody bites on it unless you see through the eyes of Christ. That's what the difference is. Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening and tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.